Good morning. We gather together around the Word of God this morning, so as we do, listen, follow along as I read Psalm 19 to start our worship this morning. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the works of His hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their utterances to the end of the world. In them he has placed a tent for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect restoring the soul. This testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold. Yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping with them is a great reward. Who can discern his errors? Acquit me of my hidden faults. Also keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, and I shall be acquitted of great transgression." Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The heavens declare his praise. Let us do the same. We begin with hymn 36. Praise the Lord. Ye heavens adore him, standing together as we do.
welcome those around you to worship this morning. to First Baptist Church. We are grateful that you are here. I hope you have taken notice. If you look in your pew back in front of you, we have a brand new uh, card, a Connect Here card. If you're a visitor with us this morning, we would like for you to um, fill this out for us. Give us a, a record of your visit, and we would love to get to know your name and get to know you a little bit. So if you would, uh, fill that out and put it in the offering plate at the end of the service. You'll see on the back that we have uh, other options and prayer requests. And you also see uh, this colorful side is, is what we expect out of our church people. Read the Word daily, go to the blog, Bible study, um, circles of six, and worship. Worship together. This is the most important time of our week to gather together and begin in glorious worship of our Creator. Because we, we hear the proclamation in John 19 this week that Jesus Christ is our King. Now the people in the text fought it. They didn't want Jesus Christ to be their King. But we know in this place, and that's why we come to worship, that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. And so we come to praise His holy name because He alone is good. Let's pray together. Father, we are forever grateful that we can gather together in this place, that you have given us the opportunity and the provision to be together. Lord, help us make the most of it, where we lean in near to you to know the forgiving embrace and to know your love. So, Lord, we pray that you would help and guide our worship this morning, that your spirit would move and lead us to truth. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Do that together, corporately, all the week. We call it reverse. We, were, we visit this text all week long, and this week it's been John 19. I hope you've been reading this text. So we consider today Christ on the cross, his sacrifice for us all. When you think about it, many of the Gospels record Jesus' words and, and he quotes Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So we're going to visit that Psalm today, but not those words. We're going to go to verse 23 and 24. It says this, You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him. All you descendants of Israel, for he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him for help, he heard. So let us sing of that truth of Christ on the cross this morning. Hymn 134, this is, a, this is our story. Jesus paid it all 
for you, for me, for us. Let us sing. Stand together. Have a seat right here on the steps. Come on up. I'm going to squeeze in right up here. Is that all right? Come on down. Good to see you all this morning. Thank you for coming. We're glad that you're here. Come on in. Yeah. Let the others come on down. few more swinging around. All right, let me, let me show you. I've got something very special this morning that I want you to see. Can you, can you see this? Can everybody come back? Can they take a look? Can, can you see? What, what does that look like? Thorns. It looks, it's thorns. Yeah, that's right. You see it? You stick thorn. That's right, yeah. It, um, it's, it's the crown that Jesus 
Yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's, that's right. Because this is very special to me. Because my brother-in-law, um, my wife's brother, Bo, went to Jerusalem where Jesus was. And while he was there, um, he was given this. This is uh, a thorn that would be very similar to what they made Jesus' crown of thorns out of. Remember in the story we're reading this week that Jesus was crucified? And in that, in that scene, the people, they made a crown, and they made it out of thorns, and they put it on his head to hurt him. And that may have been what those thorns look like. This may have been the type of plant that was used. Now, it was really kind of Bo to bring this back to me, and I keep it in my office, and I look at it often, and I think of what Jesus had to go through. And so it was, it was nice to have that reminder, and really sweet of Bo to bring it to me. But do you, do you know that from that same time and from that same place, Jesus left you something? In fact, Jesus has something for us this morning. It, it looks like this. Do you, do you know, can you see what this is? Well, yeah, the body. Yeah, that's right. We talk about this is the body of Christ. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a little wafer of bread, right? So when, when Jesus said, when, right before that crucifixion time, he said, I want you to remember this time. I want you to, this is this Easter time as we talk about. I want you to remember Easter all the time. And every time you, you take of this bread and take of this cup, I want you to remember me. And so this is like Jesus leaving you a little artifact. All the way through the years, thousands of years later, Jesus left this for you. So today, we're going to take this in the service. And, and anybody in here that's accepted Christ as their Savior and their Lord can take this. And so we open it up. You don't have to be a member, but you have to have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. And you could take of this. So if you haven't yet, it's not yet your turn. But if you have, you can take of this bread and take of this cup. And this is a gift from Jesus for you to remember that time he went to the cross. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for our time together. Lord, we thank you for each one of these students that are up here. Lord, we pray your blessing over their lives and grace upon them. And Lord, we pray that as we take the supper, it would forever remind them of your grace and your love for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all. You're probably aware that in your hymnal there are many different categories and sections of the hymns and they go through the life of Jesus from his, the advent to the, the cradle to um, his life and ministry, his suffering and death, and then of course his resurrection. And they're grouped together. Let me make a confession to you everybody. Under the he heading of cross, suffering, and death, I'm not pleased with how we do this. If you look at those hymns that, are, that populate that section, there's a real disconnect in my mind behind the power of the cross, the power of Jesus' suffering, and the tunes we sing them to. I would, let me encourage you to open right now to hymn 140. This is the, the, the song that we're going to sing next, Down at the Cross. You have probably sung this your whole Christian journey, haven't you? And you have a very distinct way of singing this, that you do that. But let me challenge that for a second. Do those words and that melody really match? Let me read this to you. Down at the cross where my Savior died. Down where for cleansing from sin I cried. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to His name. I want to sing this not as some joyful, jumpy, 
reflection. I want us to sing this with the heart that I think that it really means. Where we see our sin nailed to the cross through a Savior that doesn't deserve it. And when you sing glory, let that be something that is just such relief and the joy of the Lord. Let's sing this together. Hymn 140, standing as we do.
worship. You may be seated. As we gather ourselves for time in the text, let me take a moment of liberty first. You may have seen the front page of our paper today and the front page, I assume, of the Houston Chronicle as well. There is a, a scandalous story of the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, in that, if you have not seen it yet, they recount the last 20 years of the life of Baptist churches. And in the last 20 years, there have been some 700 um, allegations and convictions of abuse and sexual abuse uh, within the church. And those are difficult stories to read, especially on a day like today when we are coming to worship. And in fact, our, our reaction to those are usually when we see that placed in front of us is, is to be defensive. Stick up for ourselves and stick up for our, our brothers. Um, e even some of us might even mention uh, on the, the front page, and it goes for pages and pages, but even on the front page there are multiple misleading statements there. But even with that said, we need to consider a better way, another way forward. Because as you search the Scripture, you read through the Old Testament, you come into the New Testament, what you find is a God of justice. In fact, a God who when we interact with our community and when we interact with our culture and when we interact politically, the thing that we should fight for is justice. That's what God brings into this realm is a new kind of justice. And there are times God uses the secular to call us to repentance. And I hope this morning if we need to fall on our knees in repentance that we will. Because we see there, there have been many in leadership who have kept hidden sins. There have been people near us and brothers and sisters in Christ who have helped keep those sins hidden. We need to repent of those things. And in fact, if there's any way that even us as a body have undermined justice, we have undermined the work of our God. And so if there's any way that we should have stepped forward and brought justice and we did not, we need to get on our knees and go to God in repentance. That is our way forward, is through repentance, making things right by going to our God and asking for forgiveness. So if we've not followed in our Savior's footsteps, we will now and we will repent. Let me tell you a couple of things that are appropriate this morning for this time. In fact, one is, is from our, our life together. You'll see it in your bulletin, a journey to restoration. And in that, that journey to restoration that, that's coming, it's a time that we're offering for those who need healing. Those that need healing from wounds, of, of sexual wounds, emotional wounds, uh, those who have been abused. Um, we have that available in this church. And so we hope if you need to take uh, the time to work through that, 
there's an opportunity that, that's coming in the next couple of weeks for you to go to that. In fact, one of the great ministries of this church that we often don't talk about is our heart-to-heart ministry where we try to provide care and comfort for those who are hurting. And if you are, we think that might be a place where you can find some healing, and we hope so. And I hope you know this too. The same part of that, those, those journey, uh, excuse me, those heart-to-heart groups, we also have a men's group, a men's freedom group for men who have been caught in, in, in the struggle of sexual addiction and pornography. Um, we meet on Tuesday nights. And so if you need that, it, it's available, and it's available to you. And I hope you hear in this, and I hope you hear in our text today that our God is a God who knows and understands suffering. For those who have been caught in the suffering and pain of evil of this world, our Jesus Christ bore that and knows those pains deeply and intimately. In fact, we we read part of that in Psalm 22 just just before in our service, that, that God hears you. God hears you in your suffering you've had to deal with these kinds of things in your past before. And there are many here, there are many here, part of this church, who have known those kinds of, of, of sexual assaults and pains in their lives. And we're finding healing among one another. And know this, God hears your cry. You know, Jesus cries out in Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have, why have you forsaken me? You work down through tw- Psalm 22, God hears. And God lifts up and says, I'm with you. And that God has not changed. Still the same God today as he was when Psalm 22 was written. And the same God as the day that Jesus Christ was crucified. And so if there's any way that we need to move forward in repentance, we will. And that's a call that's on our, a part of our lives. God's been setting that in front of us uh, for months now. That we are to be a repentant people. If there's any way that, that we need to repent out of this front page scandal, we will. We're on our knees in repentance. With that said, let's move to the text. We're in John 19 today. John 19, 28 through 30. Let's stand and let's read that together. This then is the text for today. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, and so they soaked a sponge in it and put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. May God bless the reading of his word. There are people who claim to have pieces of the true cross of Jesus Christ. They're kept in reliquaries. You can find them all over. In fact, if you Google, just put in true cross and Google that, you'll find all these places where they claim to have a fragment of the cross of Jesus Christ at a basilica in Rome. There's a monastery in Greece that says they have 13 pieces of the cross of Jesus Christ. In fact, they say they have the largest piece of the cross of Jesus Christ, and it's encased in gold. 
And it's, it's locked away in its protection. And it's brought out for festivals and feasts and things like that. There's even a piece of the true cross that's said to be housed here in Texas. In fact, it's, called, it's, it's kept in a place called the, um, the Shrine of the True Cross in Dickinson, Texas. And we get all worked up over these relics. They help us wonder and imagine. They were a physical connection to the most pivotal moment in all of human history. It's a tangible link to Jesus Christ where you can reach out and, and touch the physical person of the Christ. A tangible link to the terror of John 19 that we have read together all this week. And there, there's a part of us that would love to reach out and touch a piece of holy history. What would it be like to touch the cross that Jesus Christ was crucified on? You know, it reminds me of the Shroud of Turin. Supposedly, there's this cathedral in Italy, St. John uh, the Baptist in Turin. Uh, and, and they have this cloth that they say Jesus was buried in. And this piece of burial fabric is stained with the residue of a face and a torso. And many believe that that's the residue of Jesus Christ, that you can almost reach out and touch the face of Jesus Christ on that burial cloth. It's a valuable relic. In fact, they have this, this cloth. It's, it's bound, and it's in, enclosed in silver, and then it's enclosed in an iron safe, and then it's all enclosed on top of that, all in marble. And they rarely have it out for display. In fact, it only comes out about once every 25 years they bring it out. And these, these relics make me wonder. I wonder about those soldiers in our text this week. John 19, 23, and 24, there are these soldiers who are gambling over Jesus' clothes as he's going to the crucifixion. And they take special note of a valuable, seamless tunic that Jesus was wearing. It was woven together so carefully, the, uh, the soldiers didn't want to piece it up. In fact, they started to gamble over who was going to get this valuable piece of clothing. Now, I wonder where that tunic went. I, I wonder what it would be like to hold that seamless tunic in our hands today. What if it was in our sanctuary this morning? You know, we start to think, if I could only touch something that Jesus touched, maybe my life would be different. You know, we imagine like that woman who reached out and touched the hem of Jesus' garment, and, and she was healed. You know, may, maybe this is the tunic she touched. But, but maybe, maybe if I reached out and, and, and touched that same tunic, it would, it would do something for me. It would bring healing to my life that, that I have never known if I could just reach out and touch the hem of that garment. In fact, many of these relics are said to hold some sort of uh, special powers. In fact, that's how the, the pieces of the true cross, that's how it was found. Constantine's mother goes to Jerusalem about 300 years after the crucifixion, and supposedly she goes to find the crosses, and they'd been buried, and she, she digs a big hole, and she digs up three crosses as the legend goes. And, and what she does to figure out which one is Jesus out of the three, she goes and finds an elderly woman who's sick. And she has the elderly woman touch the three crosses. And so the first one she touches, nothing happens. The second one she touches, nothing happens. The third one she touches and, and she's healed. And so she says, oh, well, this, this is the cross of Jesus Christ. And they, they splinter it out and they break it up. And supposedly that's where these pieces of the true cross came from. Some of them even said to have some kind of special smell that is, you can't smell it anywhere else in the world but from the aroma of the cross. But it's important for us today, though, to move beyond the relics and into reality. Because the reality of Jesus' mission is bound in a book. 
You see it right here in the pages of the Bibles that we hold in our hands. As you work through John 19, you see the references. Jesus quoting Psalm 22, and then possibly quoting Psalm 69. And even as the soldiers divide up his clothes and gamble for them, Jesus points us to Psalm 22 again. Psalm 22.1 is that, that, that famous verse, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22.18, they divided my garments and they cast lots for them. Psalm 22.14 and 15, it speaks of this dehydration of the Christ. Jesus is living that text out, exactly matching the will of God in the Scriptures. This is, is showing the way. This is who Jesus Christ is. He doesn't just know them intellectually, like some of us. We, we know them intellectually. And he doesn't just get as close as he can to the words that are in this text. But Jesus Christ is perfectly obedient to the Word of God, even to death, death on a cross. Some of us find it appropriate to just get as near as we can. Jesus called that sinfulness. You don't just get as, as near as you can to these words, but you obey them exactly. And that's who we follow. Follow Jesus to death, even death on a cross. As God laid out the plan for human history that unfolds in the Old Testament and points to the crucifixion, God knew all along we needed a Redeemer. The prophets in the Old Testament are pointing to our need in this world for redemption. And He put it in writing saying, this is the way it's going to go. You are unable to save yourself from yourself. And in fact, our evil imaginations take us down and take us down painful roads that scar us deeply. Our sin forever separates us from God. We've learned this as we've studied repentance over and over again. When we sin, it forms a barrier between us and God. And the only way that barrier between us and God comes down is by the blood of Jesus Christ as we are on our knees in repentance. So you needed the crucifixion because your sin separated you from God. And that's why Jesus says, to telestai. That's the Greek word in our text today. It's usually translated, it is finished or it is accomplished or something like that. Those are good translations of tetelestai, to, to be finished or completed. But I think a, a common ancient idiom helps us out a little bit here. It didn't just literally mean finished or it is finished. It actually had a, a commercial usage, tetelestai. And in fact, the commercial usage was whenever you paid something off in full. Or you had a loan and you made your last payment on the loan that was tetelestai, paid in full. And it's that commercial word at the end of the loan that Jesus uses up there on the cross. Jesus says tetelestai, paid in full. It is finished. All of Scripture, all of human history coming to completion. That is the completion of humanity, Jesus Christ, on that cross. That your sin ballooned into a payment that you could not pay. Our, our sin together ballooned into a payment that we could not pay. And Jesus hanged on the cross and said, Tetelestai, paid in full. That was the moment history changed for all of humanity. So wouldn't it be amazing if we, if we had only a splinter of the cross? Or if we could reach out and touch that seamless tunic, what would life be like? How would it change us if we could touch the hem of Jesus' garment? You know, I can't imagine my hands being on the very cloth that Joseph of Arimathea or Mary Magdalene or, or, or Jesus' mother held that day. I'll never be as so close to touch the shroud of Turin or hold the cross but thankfully, I don't have to. 
relics are of the past. People ooh and ah over them, dreaming that Jesus touched this cloth or, or touched this piece of wood. But those are, those are relegated to the past. Jesus is present today. All of the gospel and all the work of the Scripture says Jesus is alive and well today. He is not dead. He is not bound by a burial cloth, but He is raised alive. And He is present in the worship of His people. And He is present in our hearts and our lives today. You see, that's, that's the real difficulty with this, this supposed burial cloth in Italy. If it's indeed a burial cloth, it should have a body in it. But there's no body in this burial cloth because Jesus Christ has risen and left those in the past. Jesus doesn't care one bit about those artifacts because He's touched everything. John 1 tells us He was a part of creation. Jesus, the hands of Jesus Christ touching this world in every way possible. When we hold a leaf, we're holding what Christ touched. Nature reveals the goodness of God. In fact, our, our hearts that hold Jesus Christ, He is there and alive and touched many of the hearts that are in this room. Jesus has reached out and held it in His hand. See, Jesus doesn't care one bit about all these artifacts because He gave us something more. He gave us Himself and He gave us the supper. You know, Jesus, very specifically, didn't tell us to remember him by some fragment of the cross that we could find by taking a pilgrimage. Jesus didn't tell us to, to remember him by going to find this burial cloth once every 25 years in Italy. No, Jesus said, you remember me when you take of this bread and you take of this cup. It is laid before you today. I am here. I am present with you. In fact, we've already read this once in John 6. We studied this a few weeks ago. Jesus was talking about this very moment we are about to partake. In John 6, he says this, 656. He who eats my flesh and he who drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also will live because of me. And this is the bread which came down out of heaven. Not as the fathers ate and died, but he who eats this bread will live forever. There's the power of the Spirit. There's the real presence of Christ among us and in the elements. See, Jesus is no longer on that piece of cross, but Jesus is very present with us this morning in the elements as we gather in His name, we are with our Christ, and He has touched our hearts. And you know, there's, there's a very specific reason why, why Jesus chose bread and wine to be the lasting artifacts, to be the commemoration that we needed. He chose the bread and wine because they're simple and accessible elements that people across the world could enjoy together. Christians across this world, millions if not billions taking the Lord's Supper together on this morning. You see, relics aren't enjoyed together. They're hoarded and hidden by the powerful. Anyone can destroy them and anyone can fake them. In fact, many think most of these that we're talking about this morning probably are fakes that have been faked through the years. And even then, only the people who get to see them and see and hold these holy artifacts are either unspeakably wealthy or they're criminals. You see, you know, it wouldn't take but a, a well-placed attack and we wouldn't have those relics anymore. You know, the, the piece of cross destroyed or, or the shroud stolen. 
That's why Jesus didn't put any value in those. See, no one can ever take our Christ from us, and no one can ever take the Lord's Supper from us. The presence of Christ is real in these. God, God is with us as we, we share this meal together and we remember what Christ did for us on the cross. And so we see this, this day that Jesus was crucified as the pivotal moment in human history. And Jesus charged us to remember them simply, not encased in marble and silver and a reliquary, but remember me simply with the bread and the cup. And so we will. We're going to remember him as he asked us to do this morning. We're going to reach out and we're going to touch that which Jesus Christ offered us all those years ago. Deacons, come and prepare the table. Jesus gave us our commemorative connection um, in these elements. And so as we come to these elements, we, we recall and we remember that these are important to our faith. These were important to Jesus Christ. And they are that which we remember him by. We're also warned in Scripture, in 1 Corinthians, that we, we aren't to take of this in an unworthy manner. And so we, we hope that you've prepared your heart this morning to take of the bread and the cup that Jesus Christ is offering us. And so in that way, we're going to have just a moment of silence where we're going to pray and begin to prepare our hearts even still uh, for the supper that's in front of us. So let's pray silently and then I'll close this in prayer. Lord, prepare our hearts for the supper. We are incapable on our own, but Lord, you are infinitely powerful. Show us your glory and your presence as we take the supper together. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.
This is not a relic of the past, but this is a representation of the real presence of Jesus Christ. He, he described that evening this way, Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As the cup continues to be passed, let me remind you of who we're called to be as we take of the supper. In 1 Corinthians 11, as Paul is describing the supper, he reminds the church that we are to tend to the poor. In fact, they were dealing with a very uh, difficult circumstance in their church where the poor were not being fed the supper, but only those who could afford it. Paul describes that as something that should be gotten rid of in the church of Jesus Christ. But we tend carefully to the poor. In the same way, as you remember just from a couple of weeks ago, as, as John describes this scene of the Last Supper, John doesn't give us the supper scene like the other Gospels do. 
In fact, instead of this scene that we find in the Synoptic Gospels, John tells us Jesus got down on his feet and washed, or got down on his knees and washed his disciples' feet. And as he did it, he said, this is, this is for you. And you remember, as I do this for you, you need to do this for one another as a model of service and humility. And that's who our Christ is. And so, as Scripture surrounds the table, it surrounds it with protecting and helping the poor and being people who serve, who get down on our knees and wash the feet of those who are around us. And so, that's who we are. That's who we're becoming as we take of this together. So, we do similarly with the cup. This is not a relic of the past, but this is a representation of the real presence of Jesus Christ. So in, in the same way, he took the cup after, after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. We're going to have our time of response now, and we pray that everybody in here responds to God in some way. Let me remind you that, that these altars are open. Um, they are open for a reason because we need to pray, and this is a time and a place for us to pray together, so come down and pray. Um, I'll be at the front, and come down and, and visit with me. We can talk about accepting Christ or, or joining this church. Those are uh, available to you today as well. Brian is here. He'll be up here. Um, come down and visit with us. Um, please know, too, that you can take out your listening sheet and, and start to journal what, how God's working on your heart this week. In fact, you may want to pull out in there and put, I will. And after I will, fill out how you need to be obedient to God this week out of this text, out of John 19. Who's God calling you to be? What's God calling you to do? And let's be an obedient people. Maybe you need to draw an image from today's text. Put it down on paper that as God gives it to you, see what God's working through in that. We're going to give. We're going to sing. And as you do that, sing from the bottom of your heart. Give joyfully. This is our time to respond to our God, our Creator who loves us dearly and has offered another way for us, a way out of the pain and a way into redemption. So let's find that way together this morning. And there's one other. There's another way Aaron's going to come and he's going to lead us in one other way that we can respond together. You feel the movement of God this morning and you're wondering how you can respond. Perhaps this will, this will meet that need. Under the Pray First section, we have an opportunity to pray for our youth and our, and our youth leaders this week. This next weekend is Freedom Weekend. So I hope that's on your radar. And I hope that you will pray for these people. So perhaps you'll stay seated and pray, or maybe you'll come down here and you will pray for these young people that they will have an encounter with God. Let me pray this over us. Father, we come asking for the highest possibilities for our youth next weekend, that the radical truth of your son will capture their hearts and minds in order that each one of them take their next step towards you, arm them to stand firm against the lies of these times, grow godly friendships that nurture spiritual growth. And use the remaining days this week to help each of us make this opportunity known. Perhaps you will continue to pray as we sing. Standing together now, let's turn your eyes upon Jesus.
God bless you. Continue to worship as we give.
Just a moment. So life together. There, found it. We have many things going on in the church. Um, next Sunday night um, will be our next time for teaching. It, we've been uh, thinking about, considering, exploring, and actually practicing repentance. So it'll be our final installment in the repentance series. So prepare to hear this important night. Um, the week following, on the 24th, will be our 4th Street Crossing dedication service. That'll be at 6 p.m. over in 4th Street Crossing. I do hope that you'll plan to be there. What a wonderful space that we can continue to share the love of Jesus. Um, one of the bl uh, blessed ministries of our church that many do not know about is our heart-to-heart -heart ministries. Pastor Chris referred to this earlier in, in his sermon. Um, we have grief care, divorce care, men's freedom groups, a forgiveness group, and a group, group called Journey to Restoration. And that one begins Wednesday night, February 13th. This one is for those who have been wounded physically, emotionally, sexually, spiritually wounded, and need help and support of loving Christians. So be in prayer for our Heart to Heart Ministries, and if you have need for that, please reach out. And today is a wonderful day for welcoming um, new, new young babies. So we have several to, to talk about. That's Evelyn Ruth. Isn't she precious? Uh, that's Evelyn Ruth uh, Benish and Matthew and Emily, and we're happy to welcome her on February 1st. Also, we have Adeline Ruth, um, and she was born on February 4th to Joey and Amber, and we're certainly glad to, to welcome her. And finally, we have Noah, and Noah was born to Kaiko and Narong on February 5th. So what a privilege to pray for these young families and to welcome them. So if you know them, reach out to them, care for them. It's, gonna, it's a wonderful time. And these beautiful flowers before me here, um, they are given to the glory of God and in celebration of the 62nd wedding anniversary of Melissa and Jimmy Thurman. So we are certainly one, supporting of them. Church family, we welcome this morning Hope Hubbard, and she comes for membership by statement, having uh, professed Christ and been baptized, and here she is finally. Amen. So. Yeah, if you, you know Hope, come on, come on down. She's, she's attended for some time now. Come gather around her. Let her know you, you love her. If, if you uh, look forward to walking in faith with Hope, would you say amen? Yeah. And... We love you. That's right. We'll, we'll all be over by the door. You come by and greet Hope and welcome her to this church family. Amen. You knew something was up when they all gathered over there by the doors in preparation. What a, that's a great testimony, too. We love and support one another. We are dismissed to sing Have Faith in God. Stand together.
God bless you.